Get ready for conflicts where movie reviews collide. Everybody and welcome to another very special episode of Conflicts, the podcast, the ranking. Huh? We really need to get some sound effects. I was gonna say, I wonder how long that echo was going to go. <laughs> I was just, just going <laughs> to let it happen. I could, I could keep going forever. If you caught our previous episode of the ranking, we ranked all of the Star Trek series from worst to best in our humble opinions. And today, me, Laura, and Dad joke. Woohoo! That's me, Rich. <laughs> are going to be doing the very same with the movies. Dun, 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 dun. All right. We are going to be leaving out the Kelvin timeline. And for those of you who are not super nerds, that means we will not be including the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies that started in 2009 and are hypothetically still going. Looking at you, Quentin Tarantino. Help a sister out. Um, we are going to be doing the OG original 10 movies from the original storyline before they started confusing people to no end. Those start with Star Trek The Motion Picture from 1979, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan from 1982. I was really counting on you to give us a good Khan! I mean, I still can. I got it in there. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Oh, it was everything I hoped it would be. There you go. Thank you. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock from 1984. Star Trek V: The Voyage Home, 1986. Star Trek V: The Final Frontier from 1989. Six: The Undiscovered Country from 1991. Thus, sort of ending the run of the cast of the original series of Star Trek in the movies. Then we come in with Star Trek Generations in 1994. That's a combo of OG cast and Next Generation. First Contact, 1996. Insurrection, 1998. And Nemesis, 2001. And Nemesis killed it all. Anyway, not that I'm bitter. That, uh, that movie is your nemesis. <laughs> Thanks, Dad Joke. I can always count on you. <laughs> Star Trek 2, 3, and 4 are basically a, like a long form to be continued as well. Which yeah, is, they really did. I mean, they... I they mean, literally did. They like they all start where the previous mm -hmm. left off. It's I mean, like, oh, that one's over. Let's start the next one. I mean, to a degree, they all create a continuous timeline, but those are very much it's like one movie chopped up. Uh-huh. It, it, it was almost episodic they in its own right. They could have just put to be continued at the end. Mm -hmm. I think in many ways they did. <laughs> they kind of did. All right, so just like with the previous episode, if you are a loyal listener, we do thank you for that. We are going to be starting with... Where were you all snobby with it? Like, we do thank you for that. <laughs> I was trying to Would like you... find my inner Robin Leach, but apparently I didn't work. We, so. thank, we thank you for that, and please pass this the This is not Poupon. the lifestyles of the rich and famous, apparently. Is, did Robin Leach die? I feel like um, he died. I, I, you know, I don't, he, if not, he's old as hell. I, I, I'm being told that he died. He did? Our research department is Our telling me that he died <laughs> and they are to be trusted. So RIP Robin Leach, if you don't know who that is, I'm sorry that you're a child. All uh, right. Yeah. In 2018, August 24th. Oh. Not that long ago. I hope 
it was full of, what did he say? Something in caviar dreams. Champagne wishes and caviar dreams. I hope you're enjoying them, Robin. All right, let's just dive in. I'm going to go off with my worst, and I already said it, it's Nemesis. It's a poor man's rehashing of the Wrath of Khan. There is pointless action. They're really going around in a dune buggy chase for no reason. It's got a weak plot, like a clone, really. And I, it didn't feel like a Star Trek movie and had completely lost the magic. I've only seen it once, and that is the only Star Trek movie I can say that about. I actually gave it a rewatch. I did that on purpose because... After some time went by, I said to myself, you know, let's, it's Star Trek, give it another shot. You know, Patrick Stewart's still in it. Come on, let's go ahead and do this thing. Oh, I didn't even mention the whole Data B4 thing. Don't even get me started on that soapbox, but I'm going to shut up now, continue. Yeah, I know. It was, it was, it was rough. Let's just say no controversy here. That is obviously my worst as well. Uh, it was not that they lost the magic. They lost everything. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely the point in which you realize this is all over, isn't it? They, they like have, they ran out of excuses why Worf was there, didn't even bother to give yeah. one. He's it, just there. It could not have been more obvious if it had started out with a scene of Captain McCard jumping over a literal shark. Might as well. Man, all the fawns. It's pretty rough. All right. Next for me, this may be controversial, mm-hmm. but the motion picture is next for me. I don't know how controversial I'd call it. It is not my next, but I get where you're coming from. Okay. Well, I'm just going to tell you the reason why is that it is so boring. It is long and drawn out and has a snail's pacing and dear God, those uniforms. And it was so down. You don't want 20 minutes panning around the ship? Literal 20 <laughs> minutes of them. I will say... As a shout out for this movie, it gave us the iconic theme song because the theme song to TOS was not the beloved Star Trek song that we know now. That is the film theme from the motion picture Mm -hmm. that became the uh, opening sequence for TNG. And this movie was made because of an outpouring of love from fans. And I love those two things about it. Not enough to keep this from being the second worst for me. It is... Hmm. A really stupid snooze fest. Sorry about you. See, I, you know, I, I, I am going to disagree here, but I, I think in some of these lower rankings, our disagreement is not going to be that volatile uh, because we're kind of picking nits. Because uh, I actually went Final Frontier for number nine for okay. me. Okay. Um, I, I understand. I, I understand. Yeah. I mean, to me, there I, there was, it was, again, it wasn't awful. It wasn't the worst piece of crap I've ever seen by any means. It wasn't good. But it was far from good. It was just blah. It was it was very unremarkable and unmemorable and weird. Um, yeah, it was. It just it, it fell flat on so many fronts that it just it, it wasn't the piece of crap that Nemesis was, but it just really didn't have anything else other than um, the it wasn't atrocious. That's well, the it was bad about. enough that uh, it's my next on my list, <laughs> but uh, it's bad enough that uh, it was supposed to be the last. That's why it's called mm-hmm. the Final Frontier, and it was such a festering turd that they made another one to apologize to the universe <laughs> we can't go out on that that's it though that's all i gotta say and they just blah there's nothing to say about it and that's probably the worst insult i can give it i've got more to say about it okay. it made no sense the plot was all over the place why does spock magically have a brother all of a sudden when he's always been an only child what is this weird godlike thing at the center of the universe oh. what and why was uhura dancing naked and singing in the desert strategically covered by giant feathered fans that magically appeared these are just a few of the questions that i have about this movie see then it's a good thing you never watched uh, discovery on cbs 
Oh. Yeah. Good. No. No. Eh. Hmm. So uh, what that what do you what was your next? What do you get? All right, my next. I don't know if this is going to be surprising or controversial because it's just not very good of a movie. Is Generations? Hmm. We have a horrible and anticlimactic end to Kirk. It had a dumb plot, a weak villain, giant plot holes. Where's Spock? Six was a great end to the cast of TOS in the films. And then this movie came along and just effed it all up. Like, it was like them flipping the bird to all the TOS fans out there. Like, hey, we know we wrapped this up with a nice bow for you guys, but haha, just kidding, sucker. Uh, interestingly enough, it, uh, Generations is eight for me as well. Uh, I, let me just say that I wanted so bad to love this movie. I wanted so bad to love this passing of the torch, this transfer over. I loved the idea of having that happen. They just pretty much failed on every side of it. Mm -hmm. It was a bad original series movie. It was a bad next generation movie. They did not mesh them together at all. There wasn't a passing of a torch so much uh, as it was a, a screw you to some of you. And it was just weak all the way around. It really was. I mean, the only redeeming factor was, is, you know, he got some cool guy in backstory, which I kind of like. But even that, the backstory, I was still kind of like, huh? Yeah. I don't really know what that means, but okay. There was definitely a lot of flaws cool with it, but you know, it was like, okay, well, it gave her, it wrapped up her storyline, I think, better than did anybody else's. I guess. I have a random side note story that I borrowed from somebody else that I have to tell about this movie because it's so funny. So when it came out, if you've not seen the movie, Kirk dies not once, but twice. And a friend of mine way back in the day was seeing the movie and it was towards the end of its run. So there's like him and his group of people and this one dude up at the front sitting by himself watching this movie. The first time that Kirk dies, this guy up at the front goes, no, not Kirk. And then the whole movie goes by. Then Kirk dies again. And on cue, homie at the front, Again. No. No. Not Kirk. <laughs> That's how people felt watching this movie. They needed to scream in the theater not once but twice. And I was just like, no, don't ruin the franchise. <laughs> All right. What do you have next on your list, pal? Number seven, we go back to the original motion picture for me. Now, I think mm. I ranked it higher, and I, I know I've touched on this topic before. Some of that's just because, you know, we're, we're, I'm older than you are. Right. So the original motion picture was the first movie for me. I watched that movie before any of the others came out. I was, you know, uh, I was around. Mm -hmm. So it, for me, was the original Star Trek movie. That le That's something for me. You know, it was the step. I recognize that it's, it's pretty low on my list. Number seven is pretty far down there. But I also have to, you know, realize this was the stepping stone. The fact that they got that movie made was important. Uh, now, it very important. Agreed. Now, ultimately, they failed on a lot of things. They, they you know, like I said, the 20-minute pan around the ship scene, which was awesome. Don't get me wrong. The ship is cool. It was some not special cool. effects they did, but not, yeah, it wasn't that cool. Then, you know, ultimately it was a bit of a weak storyline. So yeah, it just kind of fell flat in a lot of ways, but I have to recognize it for what it is. So that's why I think it's a little higher for me on the list because I remember it a little more nostalgia. Plus, I think it was such a launch pad that it deserves a little bit for that. It did launch five subsequent films. So we do have to give it that. Well, five and a half, I suppose. All right. Next on my list has to be Search for Spock. Interesting. Uh, it had clumsy writing. 
It had a weak plot. It left me feeling betrayed by the writers after the magic that was Wrath of Khan. Um, half of the cast is kind of left out of the story. Not even really there or important. Why is there a new Savic and it's not addressed? Where's Carol? And then, like, you give Kirk a kid and then, like, no, no, JK, bro, he gonna die. <laughs> well, it, it was almost like a... Um... What do they call it? Fridging? Or it's like they gave him the, the kid just so they could take it away. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> oh, you want a toy? Here you go. No, no, it's mine. Bye. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, R.E.P. David. Bye-bye. I will shout out uh, Christopher Lloyd was awesome, even though I stated that the plot was weak and he was not the best villain. I did think he made an exceptional Klingon. It's number six for me as well, too. Six oh, for we got that the same. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, we're not too far apart here. The original series has been our biggest point of difference yeah. but search for spock was just uh, you know it really was kind of a letdown it, it was a junk punch it wasn't atrocious it was clearly very uh, very much learned nimoy saying no no no, okay fine i'm back in uh, you know here's a guy who wrote a book saying i am not spock because he wanted to distance <laughs> himself from the character and then he's like wait i like that paycheck yeah and then a while back he's like you know what i'm gonna write a book called i am spock because <laughs> turns out i want the money or you know actually he was an okay guy no he, he just, was great you know but that did happen so ultimately this movie just kind of me. Yeah. All right, we're, we've made it to the middle. Number five for me is Insurrection. Is it the same for you? <laughs> yeah, You're I over got, there chuckling. I'm, I'm laughing. Yeah, I got same Insurrection thing. as well. It's not good. It's not bad. It's right there hanging out in the middle. I, I think that it's silly and cheesy and corny, but all of that made it feel a little bit more like the series than the other movies had. Picard was less angry because I'll touch on weird angry Picard later. Wise Wharf there? We don't really know. We don't really care. It's kind of forgettable and was unnecessary, but it wasn't bad. It was still watchable and it was still fun. You know, this is the point where from here on everything out, I'm going to refer to as good because Insurrection for me was still a good movie. Now, there's obviously four more that were better, but for me, I enjoyed... I'm going to laugh if all of the rest of these are the same for us, by the way. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I, I enjoyed Insurrection. I really did. I thought it was a fun movie. Did it have some problems? Yes. But I thought it was a really good, fun movie for them to throw in there. Uh, you know, it wasn't overly related to everything else that was going on. Like I said, weirdness. Why did Worf suddenly come back? Well, because, I mean, we want Worf there. And then go through puberty again. Yeah, it was, there was some, there were some strange things there. Uh, but it was generally fun. Uh, and enjoyable to watch. So I don't have anything bad to say about Insurrection other than others just were better. All right. The next one for me and possibly for you, too, is First Contact. Oh, snap. Oh, no, we're gonna, we're OK. Gonna, we're OK. Gonna, we're we, parting ways. We're parting ways. We, we have met the crossroads in the woods here. OK. Uh, First Contact. I have a sentimental attachment to this movie. I got it on VHS and it was the only Star Trek movie I had at the time. And I have seen this movie. There was probably a point in time I could have quoted a solid 70 percent of this movie verbatim watching it uh picard is sexy as hell in this movie just saying it outright um james cromwell and alfrey woodard were fantastic i really liked their characters a lot of it was just plain cool um the cons why is picard so angry we literally dealt with all of these issues in the series and he had moved past it there are episodes where he dealt with the board proving he had moved past it and yet all of a sudden he's angry he's killing people left and right saying they can't be saved when he himself was saved it conflicts with multiple series plot points that way and what happened to the temporal prime directive everybody's just like hey we're in the past the temporal prime directive hasn't been invented yet let's throw it out the window and just be and why is Worf there 
again. Well, well I mean, you this one happened before, but I mean, like half-assed line of like, <laughs> hi, Worf. And he's there. And so it's, it's above a five, but it's still at a four. I have a deep sentimental attachment to this movie, but why is Picard so mad all the time? All right. But before I tell you what comes at number four for me, I do want to throw in, and I know I'm, be, I'm being like extra, 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 extra careful about <laughs> this. I really am because the top four for me, I, you will, I put an insane amount of time in debating. I actually had like a little piece of paper. I'm scratching it out and I'm like, I had so many arrows. At one point I just ripped the <laughs> piece of paper off there started and, over. and started over and I like started making pros and cons lists. Oh, I love that. About, you know, what this is the level of our geekdom, buddy? Because honestly, at, at this point, all of the top four for me are just amazing. Beloved by you. They are. They are all so amazingly good. But I forced myself to rank them. And I finally got to something I settled on and that I can stand behind. So number four for me coming in is Undiscovered Country. Oh, okay. All right. I, I did the, not expect that, but do tell. It, you know, it, to me, this was the end of the original series. Not uh, generations. generations. It was Undiscovered Country. So much about this movie was good. So much about this was the original series. So much of this was about passing it along. Mm -hmm. You know, we got Captain Sulu, yeah. and he was a badass. He was not just some other captain. He was cool. Yes. You know, this is this is something we, we wanted to see. You know, you you got this uh, the the whole storyline of them being older and them you know them aging, aging and that they know they can't do this forever. And what is the next you know step like? Because you know Kirk did not want the Klingons to be at peace with the Federation. He didn't want that. He was that old he guard. Had to confront his internal racism. Right. He did, and he ended up coming to terms with that. And you know, ultimately, it was a good ending. But the, I thought the character development, the acting. You know, I'm sorry but the the space battle and as you know at the end of oh, that Christopher Plummer's amazing and that space battle is amazing. That's probably the best space battle we get in any Star Trek movie or series. That I'm just going to say it for as far as the battle goes, that's the best one ever. You know, him him there quoting and just chewing up scenery like crazy while they're in the middle of this tense standoff is just so good. Just so good. Yeah, cuz it was about the people not the battle. And it that's really what was. made it interesting. It really was. But at the same time, some other movies were a little better for me. So, okay. But I, I don't have anything bad to say about Undiscovered Country. It was good beginning to end. Mm -hmm. All right. Next for me has to be Wrath of Khan. It was well written. It was compelling. It called back to the series, literally. It had excellent character development. There was so I I would dare to say top three scenes in the entire franchise for me. One of those spots is going to go to the ending sequence between Spock and Kirk. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And that moment with the, you know, transparent aluminum between them and, and they're just that is it's iconic. It's iconic. It's beautiful. It's heartfelt. It will still to this day bring a tear to my eye. And I I have nothing bad to say about this other than that it it shows its age just because of what it is. And that keeps it at three instead of higher up. Interesting. See here I put Voyage Home. Okay. Now, okay. 
Voyage Home holds an interesting spot on this list because, uh, you know, once again, I was around when this movie came out. I mm -hmm. remember when it was in the theaters. I remember when it was in society and culture. And this was the first of the Star Trek movies that was uh, like a real blockbuster. It Yes, it did uh, $52 million at the box office. Mm -hmm. I wrote it down. In, Excuse me, it did $109 million at the box office. I looked at it yeah. wrong. I'm not saying the others did poorly, but they weren't as appealing to a white audience. Now, Star Trek had built to more of a phenomenon at that point, but... Uh, Voyage Home was really the culmination where it appealed to this very wide audience and everybody liked this movie. So it was fun to see a movie that popular that, that was this geeky. It was the first Trekkie movie in which everybody had something to say about it. And it was usually something good and nice. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a, a almost a pivotal, pivotal moment for me. Uh, you know, seeing that in the culture, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a geek that remembers when we had to all be in the closet and not talk about it. And now right. everybody's a geek. So th this was, this moment was there. It was a fun, it was a little whimsical. Was it a little hokey and corny? Sure. But it was funny. I think it's probably actually the most quotable of all of the movies. Potentially. Yes. Now, there, some of the other movies, you know, honestly, Wrath of Khan has a couple of really good quotes. But See previous. Yeah. But Voyage Home has a ton of, you know, middle road quotes, you know, everybody remember where we parked, uh, <laughs> you know, um, there was some, there was some great stuff there. The whales, everybody loves whales. You, you got George some, and Gracie. Mm -hmm. You got some cool stuff out of it. So I really liked Voyage Home. I put it number three because in my mind, there were still two that were better. Uh, my number two, my penultimate is The Undiscovered Country. It was such a beautiful end to that chapter of the franchise. It had a strong plot, a fantastic cast, really good writing, interesting and complex villains who weren't really villains. It had a compelling Klingon storyline, which was such a nod to TOS when it was on TV. It did justice to these characters that we had loved for 20 plus years. I love Christopher Plummer in that movie. I love how they handled the characters and the aging and the passing of the torch. And and it was still, after all of this time, making a social statement. Kirk is very clearly in that moment, real time, dealing with his own racism. Is it still called racism when it's an alien species? Is it called alienism? It, it's a placeholder for racism. That's what they're that's what they're getting at. They're just getting around talking about racism. Well, I meant the word, species. like literally. It it's not a different race. It's a different species. Is it speciesism? Speciesism, speciest. I don't know. We'll have to find a linguistic anthropologist to break that down for us. Can but you just still say bigot and move there on? There we go. <laughs> he was he was confronting his bigotry. And I love that after all of this time, it was still following Gene, Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry's original vision of creating a world where we deal with these things head on so mm -hmm. that they don't have to exist anymore. And that's beautiful. You know, for me, number two, I'm going to throw in Wrath of Khan. Now, mm. now, this was a difficult one for me because Wrath of Khan is still old school. It the is. special effects aren't amazing. The sets aren't amazing. But Wrath of Khan, for me, was a beautiful work of art. And here's why. Uh, I always go back to this memory I have uh, walking in one day uh, to one of my music uh, classes. And I was playing a song by the uh, 80s hair band Great White. Mm-hmm. And uh, my music composition instructor, he said, rolled his eyes and says, why do you listen to that? That song isn't any good. There's only three chords. And I just looked at him. I said, Louie, Louie. <laughs> three chords. They can't sing, can't play instruments. Everybody loves that song. Everybody loves that song. Sometimes it's not about 
how complicated it is. Now, the reason I bring that up is because Wrath of Khan, in my mind, is really only three scenes long. There are three scenes in Wrath of Khan. There's the beginning scene where you meet Khan uh, when he's on SETI Alpha six. 5, 6, you know, whatever. There's the scene where the, you're at the... the um, Underground. Yeah, the underground. I don't want to say the Genesis planets because that's what it creates, but where they have the Genesis project. The laboratory. There's the laboratory. There's the scene there. And then there's the final showdown between them at the end. Those are really the only three scenes in the movie. There's just, maybe you want to call them chapters, sections, but there's not a lot that goes on in this movie. There really isn't. The plot is very simple, but what happens is you get this beautiful work of art. Partially because the acting is amazing, because there's so much that uh, that Star Trek that's in this movie. Plus, it's the first time that they really got that out on screen. This is the second movie. You know, the first one was pretty awful in many ways mm -hmm. as far as what they were trying to do. This is the first one where it's like, whoa, no, that is Star Trek. You want to know what Star Trek is? Watch Wrath of Khan. This was it through and through. And like I said, some of it, yes, was obviously supported by the acting. Uh, you know, and Bill Shatner, man, that guy gets some flack, right? He does. He does. He totally does. But he wasn't completely overshadowed by Ricardo Montalban. Now, don't get me wrong. The dude the dude won it. Like, he, he stole he scenes. He did. He stole scenes. R.I.P. Ricardo. But Shatner did not shy away from it. He held his own, in my opinion, and so did some of the other cast members in that, it, which is what part of made that duality believable. If he would have completely overshadowed him, it would not have been as believable. But since he did hold his own enough, it held that movie together. So I'm throwing a lot of nostalgia in there and putting it at number two for me because that was the moment where they did everything right. The first time, they made no mistakes. Well said, sir. All right. This is it. The moment you've all been waiting for. And if you can do process of elimination, then you know what my favorite is. <laughs> but mine is for the voyage home. This is mostly for sentimental reasons. I find this movie fun and funny and campy and cheesy and relatable. And my love is on a very personal level. I... I love that uh, that Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner are both avid animal rights activists specifically for the ocean. And that is literally why this is the theme of this movie. They took Gene Roddenberry's mantle and made it into this movie. And this entire movie is a social statement about you don't know what's going to happen when a species goes extinct. Stop killing them all. And it shows you a plausible is it plausible? I don't really know. But <laughs> it shows you a potential outcome to our complete apathy towards the endangered species list and why we keep doing what we do. And I, I love that and I find it beautiful. Does it hold up all that well in 2019? Not really. But will I ever not absolutely love this movie? No. Well, and like I said, uh, you know, of course, Voyage Home was three for me. But it was a great movie, and it did. Everybody loved the whales. Everybody loved the whales. And honestly... I love George and Gracie. It was so much uh, a part of the culture at the time that it had an impact. There was a positive net impact on, you know, the, the, the oceanography at the time because of that movie. There are people out there who went into those fields because they liked the whales in that movie. And that's cool. And that's what, that's what art is supposed to do. It's supposed to empower you and it's supposed to ignite a passion in you. And the fact that this cheesy, campy, hokey sci-fi movie from 
1986 did that to people is beautiful. You know, it was a great movie, but like, so this is probably where we disagree the most because once again, if you're paying attention, you know what my number one is and it's obviously First Contact for me. Now, that, I really find that shocking. I'm not you know, going to lie. You know, and that's because, you know, in a way, Lulu and I, we're, we're both Trekkies, but we've never actually had a lot of conversations about We have not and I would Trekkies, never have guessed this film. Because I think you would have had we had more time to talk because I definitely, and I recognize this, I have a next generation bias. For mm -hmm. me, it is the best of everything. Uh, now, that's not the others are bad, but for me, it's just better. And out of the next generation, this is by far the best movie for me. This is the movie where they got everything right. I know you talk about Angry Picard, and that was a, a bit of a hang-up for you. But for me, it wasn't because I kind of got it. You say he dealt with it. He had, but he thought he had dealt with it. And now suddenly, here are the Borg getting ready to destroy everything again. And they came after him. They came after Earth. And he's having to rehash it. And sometimes that's tough when something that you've gotten over, it, you know, it's like it's like a bad breakup and your ex comes back into your life. <laughs> you know, you're like, I thought I was done with this, but no, here they are. So I get why he was a little bit angrier. Um, I, I just, you know, James Cromwell was just absolutely fantastic. Agreed. He was, I mean, he stole so much of that movie because he was just great. I loved this idea that they go back to this this visionary man who's inspired everybody and then they meet him. pissing on the thing. And he's, you know, and it's not that those things aren't true, but he completely subverted their expectations. And I thought that was wonderful. But at the end, they were all still inspired by him. You know, it, it, maybe he wasn't who they thought he was, but they they still thought this guy's still cool in his own way. Uh, there's some wonder. I mean, I'm sorry, but the the scene where uh, Will Riker finds Deanna Troy drunk at the bar <laughs> is a fantastic scene, and he is just he, that smile on his face is just so hilarious because he's just loving it. He is just loving it, and I've had that smile because I've seen my wife get drunk before. <laughs> And I just laugh at her so much because she's just so stinking adorable when it happens. So, you know, I, I get all that. But there's just so much good about that movie that I, I it's it's the best for me. I, I always thought the Borg were a great villain. They've always been my favorite villain. They have villain. always been a great villain. It's also why Voyager was so low on my list of shows because they just, no, nah, the Borg, fine. We don't, they're not a threat. No worry. Bye-bye. See you later. Um, but I thought they were a great villain and they were, and they showed why in this movie mm -hmm. because they, they were very tactical in their thinking. They understood and they had the technology that they could do some crazy stuff. So they did. And it, it was just, it was amazing. I loved everything about this movie. Well said, sir. <laughs> I, you may have already said this, but I wanted to ask you, what is the first uh, Star Trek movie that you saw? Was it? It, it was the it was the original movie, the motion picture. The motion picture, and that yeah. was in theater. No, um, I did not see it for the first time in theater. Uh, it was on TV. I did, however, see it on, in the theater uh, later. Oh, like a re-release? Yeah. Well, it was uh, one of these theaters was doing it as like a, a special, special presentation. Special thing. They, What's the first one you saw in theaters? Uh, the first one I saw in theaters when it was released, I think it might have been Voyage Home or Search for Spock. Mm. I know I saw Search for Spock in theaters, but I don't remember if I saw that on... Or if it was a re-release like the other... For me, the first one I ever saw, period, was on a VHS tape that somebody had recorded from television, commercials included, and it was <laughs> The Undiscovered Country. And the first one I ever saw in theaters was First Contact when it was released. Um, of all the movies, which one have you seen the most? Ooh, 
Which one have I seen the most? Probably Wrath of Khan. Although I watched Undiscovered Country a lot. That's the mm-hmm. one I end up finding myself rewatching the most. And I don't know if I have a good explanation for that. Maybe just because it's on the most. But that's never a movie. You know, it's a movie if it's on. It's like Shawshank yeah. Redemption. Sure, I'll watch it again. So prob- but probably Wrath of Khan. I think for me, it's a tie between First Contact, because I had that one on VHS, and Star Trek Four Because I, I know that I've seen that one. I used to literally when I was younger, watch it, rewind it, and watch it again. I loved that movie. See, at one point I had all of these on VHS, and uh, about what, six years ago, seven years ago, we went com- uh, went completely digital and got rid of mm-hmm. all of our VHS and DVDs. So I still actually own these uh, in digital content, but I, I don't own physical copies anymore. Uh, and they, that was a rough one to get rid of because I actually had the like the box set. Were they all matched? I yeah, had them the, too. The, the pictures yeah, where the matched. pictures matched mm-hmm. on both sides. Yep. No, I had that, and it was a little bit rough to get rid of. But that was just a decision we made together to minimize because we downsized houses at that mm-hmm. point, and uh, you know we wanted to have less stuff. And it's been a good move overall. But some of those were a little sentimental and difficult yep. to, to part with but you know some great movies here like anything in the top five if you wanted to pop those in right now i'd sit down and watch it i'd sit down and quote it with you <laughs> <laughs> all right beam us up scotty that's the outro yeah. beam us up scotty <laughs> why not hello. how are you james doing? hello computer hello computer <laughs> computer <laughs> how quaint <laughs>